Welcome back to the Lift for Life podcast. And I'm back is the most important thing after having a solo, well, not solo episode, an episode with Graham and Ben Lombard last week, which I hope you enjoyed. Graham, it's good to be back. How are you? Very excited to have you back in my kitchen, Angus. And of course, last week's episode with um, Ben Lombard, my physio, was a huge success. So thank you all for listening to that. And today we're going to go back to people's questions. We're overwhelmed by the feedback that we've had from the past. This is the eighth episode of this podcast. And the volume of followers on Spotify has shocked us. The number of people that are subscribing to the emails has shocked us. But most importantly, it's the engagement and the fact that people are asking us so many questions, either via LinkedIn, direct to my WhatsApp, or to either of our uh, Instagrams or various communication systems. So thank you very much for all those. And we're going to start, I think, with maybe five or six of the most commonly asked questions. Um, just apologize now that we're not going to be able to get to obviously all of the questions that we've had. So I think the first one, which is perhaps one of the most simple, someone said to us, believe it or not, in South Africa, so we are a truly global podcast. Worldwide. Can we access Angus's app in South Africa? How does it compare to the Nike app for online coaching? So with accessing the app, you can access it anywhere in the world. I have clients in Australia, the UAE, the States, all across the world. Where it's different to the Nike training app is the personalization. So for example, I had people into the studio today to go through their five rep maxes. Obviously they're London based, so it's easy to do, but that's what I would do with you. So we would find out what your five RMs were for the compound lifts. And then I would personalize a program around that with your goals in mind. On top of that, before you were to sign up, I would send you a questionnaire to get the finer details so we can find out things like injuries. Then on top of that, we'll be tracking your diet intake too. So where the big difference is, is a personalization and it's that constant accountability. I get an email when you have done your workout. I get an email when you haven't done your workout. And as I said to you, and we've said on this podcast all the time, that personalization is really key because it's specific to your goals. And there's no point having the exact same workout program as the next person. And that's what the NICAP does. You just go, oh, I'll pick a five-day workout program and I'll just crack on with it. And no wonder you keep going around in circles with it because it's not specific to you. And I think this is really, really important. We've discussed this on a previous episode about the accountability that I have personally from Angus that clearly wouldn't be the same if Angus was an algorithm. So I obviously have the luxury of seeing him twice a week live for an hour. So clearly if I didn't do any training and didn't follow the stuff on his app on the other days, he would notice some of the two days I saw him live. But I think from an online training perspective, if it's fully online, you're still communicating with the person, right? And so they're filling in what they've done each day. And so you are going to feel accountable to your online trainer that you've not actually done what you said you were going to do if you don't do it. So the accountability is vital and that's very, very different to some major corporates online app, which is obviously geared towards building a big user base for their products rather than to make you better. Spot on. So next question is, what is your recommended gym program? 
Uh, currently, I'm doing reps of deadlifts, bench presses, barbell back squats, but I want to expand. How would you reply to that, Angus? So all I hear there is just generic. And there's nothing specific. You're just saying you're doing reps of heavy compound movements. You're doing the hard part, which is building the confidence and building the ability to do the heavy compound movements, but you're not actually structuring it into a program that you can progressively overload. So if you're going in like Graham was in way episodes back and obviously years back, going in, doing the same thing each time and not seeing any results, it's because, as I said earlier, it's not personalized to you. So in terms of forming a program around that, those compound movements should be, let's say, the first exercise where you have the most energy, get the most bang for buck with them as they are big compound movements, full body movements. And then on top of that, you should be doing more isolation work, supersets, triceps, et cetera, et cetera. And also the question begs another question is what is this questioner doing every day? Is it the same thing every day? Are they going to the gym every day and doing deadlifts, bent presses, and squats every single time they go to the gym? Even if they're going three times a week, doing the same exercises every time you go to the gym is crazy, right? Yeah, and the muscles can't recover. So, for example, with your programming, you will know that you have three days between training each muscle group. So you hit each muscle group twice a week, but there's a three days at least rest in between hitting that muscle group, which is key for muscle growth. Exactly. So every day I go to the gym, either with Angus or in the app, it's something different. Now, I'm obviously a bit weird in the sense that I go to the gym every day, but I think the average person maybe goes three times a week. They still shouldn't be doing exactly the same thing every time they go to the gym. And I think that's the importance of having an online training app or a personal trainer or something to be able to structure your training and it's not just what you do, but it's also then you, how you progress. Because if you're doing the same thing every week, you need to progress in weights, progress in reps, etc. Okay, moving on to the next question. View on alcohol. I drink on social occasions. What would be the impact of going to zero? Now, this is a topic perhaps for a whole podcast episode. There's been huge analysis done into this. But I think maybe Angus and I can talk about from our personal experience. Um, maybe you you go first, Angus, because I suppose from your perspective, social engagements at the age you're at are potentially going to be much more alcoholic than social engagements in my age group, although that's not necessarily always the case. So how do you deal with it? Probably as average 25-year-olds go, I drink a lot less than most. I really enjoy an evening out for dinner with Izzy, my girlfriend, or just a massive <laughs> girl for those who don't already uh, know. Uh, and I'll have five drinks maybe through across an evening, nice dinner out, go to the bar. But I'll also do that with the lads on a Friday or Saturday night if I was to go to the pub, for example. I usually stick to getting absolutely battered as events. So, for example, in September, I have my brother Stag coming up. I'm going to have an absolute skinful enjoy myself but then as soon as monday comes we go again we're back on it and i think the thing is with drinking and alcohol when it comes to progressing on your fitness journey is it's not actually the damage you do on the night itself it's the damage you do on the next week because immediately you have a two-day bender for example and you drink a skinful of alcohol and you 
eat copious amounts of junk food. Monday, you just suddenly go, is it really worth it if I'm going to be doing that every weekend? I also would add in terms of if you are binging massively on the weekends, it's because you're being too restrictive through the week. And other in terms of hacks for alcohol intake, let's say you're at a drinks party. One of my clients recently actually gave me the idea. I thought it was genius. Let's take beer, for example. He had, across an evening, six beers, three of which were alcoholic, three of which were non-alcoholic, which I think is genius. So you still get the same buzz of having a beer, but you end up leaving, having had three drinks, you're not then going to go into the snack cupboard when you get home. You don't wake up with a stinky headache the next day, so you can get yourself to the gym and get moving. Simple hacks like that. Also, in terms of the alcohol you're having, this is key. Tequila, obviously a very good option, as Graham knows very well, big tequila drinker. (laughs) Uh, But on top of that, vodka slim lime tonics, uh, tequila lime sodas, easy options. But I also, and I'm sure people listening to this will know this, quality of alcohol. So when you are drinking your wines, if you're going for a more expensive quality wine, yes, it might be more expensive, but if you go for the more expensive bottle, you're more likely to drink less of it because you enjoy it more. That's a really simple hack as well. And also, we were discussing before we went on air that this is not just the Lift for Life podcast. It's also the Live for Life podcast. And so we're not saying you've got to stop doing all the stuff you want to do. We're not saying you should stop drinking and lift weights every day and have a dull life. We're saying you should build sustainable changes into your life for longevity. Not, it's like, you know, a dog is not for Christmas, it's for life. The same fitness. Lifting weights, fitness is for life. It's not for a month, it's not for a short-term online weight-watching program. It's forever. And the idea of cutting alcohol out of your life is, I think, unsustainable. It's like in January, prime example, dry January. Why does that fail? Because you go from absolutely smashing the booze in December up to Christmas and New Year. And actually, most people fail dry January because they have booze after midnight on New Year's Eve. So it's already failed. They do a month dry first weekend of February. They're back on it. And as soon as you take it out, you just want it more. And the first weekend of February, they completely get hammered. Yeah, completely get hammered. (laughs) They're back to the Christmas ways. They've done a fitness journey on some fitness app for a month. And then they're back to square one. I honestly do not understand it. I got so many friends and so many colleagues who do this dry January thing, and most of them are overweight. Most of them don't do much exercise, and somehow they feel this self of sense of self gratification for dry January. It's crazy. You are setting yourself up for slaughter. Maybe go for a drink less January. So you go from having, let's say, you have on an average Saturday night seven or eight drinks. In January, you go, I'm going to have two to three drinks on Friday, Saturday night. Then from there, you then go, okay, well, I've actually cut out 50% of the calories that I've been having on those uh, weekend evenings. And it means that I'm going to progress more on my journey. But you then quickly realize you don't need seven or eight drinks. So you carry on that habit of having two to three. And then throughout the year, you end up actually just drinking less and less and less. Soon as you restrict too much, you just want it more. Yeah, it's too far. We don't want to spend the entire podcast on alcohol. We've clearly got animated about this. But um, there's two final points I want to raise. Uh, similar to what Angus said about the um, no alcohol beer, 
I find, I've said this before, I think on a, on a newsletter, when I go to the bar and I'm in control, it's my round, I will quite often order sparkling water with ice and lemon and pretend it's a gin and tonic. So it's another way of reducing my alcohol consumption without anybody knowing. I had a really famously bad experience in July a few years ago, which my wife was so angry about, where I decided stupidly to go for a no-alcohol July. And yeah, no-alcohol January is pretty bad, but no-alcohol July is really stupid. Because clearly, what did you do that this year? No, it was a few years ago. I thought I was literally mad. And we were going out with some friends for dinner um, at a very nice restaurant in London. I was on this massive fitness drive. So not only did I say I'm going to drink no alcohol, I cycled there at high speed as well to burn some calories before I got to the restaurant. This is pre-Angus. And I would never allow this. <laughs> when I got to the restaurant, I declared to everybody... I'm not drinking alcohol tonight, instantly deflated the atmosphere. Everybody <laughs> felt really guilty that they were having wine with their food. It was a shaving. <laughs> Don't do that. If you're going to have no alcohol, Jerry, maybe a little bit better, but I think no alcohol anytime is just a bad idea. But I think one other point this, this, this questioner um, alludes to is what would be the effect of going to zero alcohol forever? So I mean, I, unless you're, you know, an alcoholic, I wouldn't necessarily think that's a, that's a good idea. Uh, but maybe they're thinking about the calorie intake because we all say that um, liquid calories are the things that people don't realize. I do understand where you're coming from, and if you want the most optimal results when it comes to growing muscle and losing body fat, then alcohol are you is useless calories. But as we've said, we are the Live for Life podcast and we want to create sustainable results, progression and a routine forever. And where I would be lying if I said, well, alcohol doesn't make a difference, it does make a difference. But if there are times throughout the year where you know you can sacrifice alcohol a bit, do it. Don't sacrifice it completely. But for example, September through to Back in November is usually quite a good time for people to rein it in a little bit with silly season then round the corner. And summer that's just been, of course, your alcohol intake is going to be higher with holidays, etc., etc. But yes, alcohol doesn't have the biggest benefit when it comes to the results that you want. But we're not trying to get results as fast as possible because we want to create something that is forever sustainable. Is that a good enough answer? As ever. So on to the next question. I think it's directed at me, but I think Angus can help as well. How do you squeeze in exercise every day? I am a father with young kids working long hours. What does planning look like? I'm not even going to answer that. That's your question. Crack up. <laughs> yeah. Now, clearly, I am not a father with very young children. Um, uh, my daughter's older. But nevertheless, I do plan very forensically my weekly training i don't want to leave it to chance i don't want to have a situation where i get to the end of the day it's 8 p.m i haven't thought about when i'm going to go to the gym and then it's like ah, oh, it's too late i'm not going to go so in general my diary i'm not going to say it's fixed but it's relatively predictable by sunday evening any significant client meetings any significant internal meetings in the office 
any significant stuff like doctor's appointment, dentist's appointment, whatever, is probably in my diary already. So I'm able to look at it and see where are the free moments. Now, my job means that I can't exercise in the early morning. I have to be at my desk at 6.30. So I therefore have a choice of lunchtime or after work. Some days, clearly, I'll have things involving clients or internal meetings, so I can't do lunchtime. In the evening, again, I could have a business event or something. I could have a personal event with my wife. But I will know every day which day I can do 12.30 for an hour, which day I can do 6.37 for an hour. And even when it gets to that point at the end of the day, 6.30, I'm going to the gym. I still haven't finished my work. It's an online working environment now. I know that I can log on when I get back home, do another couple of hours of work from home. It's not a problem. So I think it's very easy to make excuses not to go to the gym, very easy to make excuses not to go for a run, not to do some sort of exercise. But if you put it in your diary at the beginning of the week, I mean, I'm stupid and different to everybody else that I do it every single day, perhaps. But nevertheless, even just three times, three appointments of one hour during the week, I think you just need to audit your time and know there are times during the week where you're probably being inefficient. And if you'd planned it at the beginning of the week, you could be more efficient and build it into your routine. I would also like to add, if you have young children, then, for example, a client of mine actually last week who has uh, just had a baby, has a four-year-old and a two-year-old as well. They sent me a video last week. So they were a big gym girl, uh, even a month ago. And they said, look, Angus, I'm going to have to take my program home. I've got a set of dumbbells. I've got some kettlebells and I've got this barbell as well and a bench. So I was like, perfect. We'll change up the programming. He sent me a video last week of him, his daughter, his son, and the baby in the cot of them all doing thrusters in the bedroom where the baby is sleeping. So... If you are using kids as an excuse, that's another prime example of where having online coaching where we can program things specific to your setup and that time excuse isn't really valid. And how amazing is that? How cool is that? As a piece of socialization for a child. Embarrassingly, I actually remember maybe my daughter was one or two. I don't think I've actually said this to her, but I remember... We were on a holiday in Arizona and there was some particularly danceable Michael Jackson music on the radio. And I do actually remember <laughs> dancing in the bedroom. Uh, and my daughter now is actually quite a good dancer. And I wonder if the socialization of her father dancing in front of her when she was one had an impact on it in her brain. So how much better is it to see one of your parents or both of your parents doing thrusters rather than sitting there scrolling through that iPhone while you're in the bath or while you're doing whatever. So I, I, I really think, again, it's the James Clear habit layering. You're being with your child and you're doing exercise at the same time. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Lift for Life podcast. I would like to make a request though. Graham's knuckles are quite sore multiple people all across London are going up to him and going, gee, dog, and they're giving him a knuckle touch, and he's, he's complaining about sore knuckles. So can we uh, turn it down a little bit there? Would you agree, Graham? Yeah. Chris, if you're listening, it was very cool doing that in the gym, so no problem. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Uh -huh.